Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Brave and Well podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Newton. I'm a group practice owner and social worker. I'm also a Latina entrepreneur, mom, and recovering perfectionist. On this podcast, we teach mental health professionals how to build sustainable, profitable, and values-aligned businesses. Here, you'll hear all about decolonizing the business side of private practice and supporting the entrepreneur and the therapist. We'll also invite fellow therapists and healers to share their stories. Our time together will be raw, honest, vulnerable, and held together by joy. If you like what you hear, subscribe to our newsletter at braveandwell.com slash newsletter dash sign up. Thank you for listening. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Brave and Well podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Newton, group practice owner, licensed clinical social worker, Latina, entrepreneur, mom, and recovering perfectionist. So today, I'm sharing more about my evolution as an entrepreneur, what it's been like to go from solo to group practice ownership, running multiple businesses while being a mom, and what setting boundaries with my work has led to. And I want to start with what it was like for me to leave my full-time job and jump into private practice fully. I know I've shared about what that looked like logistically, but I think Today, I really want to focus on what it was like for me emotionally, mentally, and how it impacted my mindset. And so I call this time in my life my hustle phase, right? I think that I was desperate to make things work. I did a lot of things for free. I networked way too much. I worked late hours. I slept very little, and I compromised my boundaries all the time. There was literally no balance. I hesitate to say that I don't regret it because in a lot of ways, there are things that I definitely regret about that time and about my inability to set strong boundaries for myself. And at the same time, I feel like I I did what I set out to do, right? I aim to be able to build an income that supported my life and that allowed me to leave the world of agency work that was driving me to the ground, really, and making me sick physically. And so, you know, there are some things that definitely I feel like I could have done better at in terms of self-care. I feel like that was a time in my life when I did not have a good relationship with my body. I didn't have a good relationship with self-care. I didn't really know what I needed, what I needed to do this work, what it was going to take for me mentally to be able to shift from being an employee to now being a business owner full time. I think that a lot of people go into private practice not realizing that it is a mindset shift. You know, you go from working for someone, having lots of structure, or maybe not, maybe lack of structure, but rules, guidelines, policies, you clock in, you clock out, you're expected to be there for a certain hour. There's a job description that clearly spells out the work that you're supposed to be doing. And you leave that and you go into this basically free for all, right? This community of of people that are individually running businesses in the ways that they want to, And so you're left to decide every single thing about how you want to run your business, how much you want to charge, when you want to work, what types of clients you want to see, how you want to document, how you want to market yourself, 
Do you want to be visible online? Do you not want to be visible? Do you want to have a website? There's so many decisions that go into owning a business. I mean, not to mention the financial pieces of it, right? That are, it's constant decision fatigue. And so even though I find myself, I think I'm a strong-willed person. I think that I have a really strong work ethic, thanks to my ancestors who were migrant farm workers and used their hands and worked in the sun and did whatever they had to do to persevere and provide for their families, right? I come from a lineage of very hard workers and people who sacrificed a lot. That is in my blood. And so I know that I'm a natural born hustler. I know that the hustle is in me. And I think that I leveraged that as much as I could to make this business life work, to say that, you know, failure is not an option. And I don't think it was ever an option growing up, you know, being a daughter to a single parent and being a first gen kid and being, you know, the first in your family to go to grad school and all of these things, all of these expectations, it really ingrained in me that I had to be successful. And so for better or for worse, that gave me the motivation that I needed to push through. And so as I was leaving my full-time job, jumping into private practice, like for me, I had to white knuckle it. I had to kind of say, you know, you either make this work or you go back to where you were and what you were doing. And that's not an option for you. And so my hustle phase, I was not the healthiest. I definitely, you know, sacrificed a lot of personal time. And at the same time, it's the thing that was able to get me to launch my business and make it happen. So you think about, you know, I did that from 2015 to 2018, three years of office hopping in the best way. You know, I was expanding offices. I started with one office in an, well, it used to be an attic. And then I guess they converted it to an office space. I was paying $500 a month in rent. I was next to the very first person that I knew in the world of private practice. And I was doing okay. I was paying my overhead and I was able to pay my bills and not much else, but at least I was making that work. And then fast forward, I was able to expand into a bigger office and slightly bigger office. It was very odd shaped, by the way. It was it was like a L-shaped office. And it was $750 a month. It was, it, you know, downtown Austin where rent is really high, commercial rent anyway, and I think all rent nowadays. But did that, was building my practice, you know, started to do some more workshops and groups and larger offerings outside of individual work. And then just got an opportunity to move into another office downtown that was definitely bigger and was surrounded by a community of other therapists who were also in private practice. And so I felt like it was a good natural next step. And so I took on that office $1,000 per month. And that was around, you know, year three when I ultimately decided to launch my business into a group practice. So that was in 2018. I think that that decision and that time in my life, if I look back, you know, I learned so much about being a solo practice owner. Those three years taught me so much about what community looked like, what support looked like, who I could and couldn't go to, to be my cheerleader. I experienced a lot of harm during that time. 
as a therapist of color in a very white dominant therapist community. You know, I was a part of a therapist support group. I went to a lot of events and workshops and just often felt very alone and very isolated and definitely didn't feel seen for who I was. And so I remember just feeling this burning desire to build a community, a build a community that would support me and that we could ultimately support each other. It was at that time where I developed this group called Rise Together, and it was a community for mental health professionals in Austin who identified as people of color. We had our first meetup at this office space that I was subletting, and it was really great and really exciting to just see that we were building something together that didn't exist. You know, that has now developed into Austin Therapists of Color, which has its own Facebook group and its own community of hundreds of therapists of color all over. It's not even just isolated to Austin, which has been really nice. But I think I learned a lot about who I was as a clinician and who I was as a business owner and what I really wanted in this career, right? Did I want to be sitting in the chair more than I was following and pursuing other passion projects? I still don't know that every decision I made was the right decision, right? But what I do know is that I made enough good decisions that I was able to expand my business. And I made enough choices that led me in the direction that I wanted to be in. You know, I didn't always know that I wanted to be a mom. I didn't always know that I wanted to have a family and grow a family. I thought that I'm a hustler, right? I just need to like push forward, work, and be successful. When I met someone and realized that I could spend the rest of my life with this person, It was when I discovered that I wanted a family. And so I think for me, it was a mixture of there are not enough, there's not enough representation, right, in this community. There are not enough therapists of color, yet we know that there are a lot of clients seeking a therapist of color. So that's one. There's a great need. There's also, two a great need for therapists in the community to work in an organization that supports them, that values them, that sees them for who they are and gives them a safe landing to be able to test out the world of private practice. And I thought to myself, why not create that, right? Why not give someone an opportunity to pursue being in the world of private practice while also providing that strong foundation and support. You know, I wish that I knew that group practice was an option for me because maybe I wouldn't have stayed in an agency setting as long as I did. You know, maybe I would have made the launch sooner and maybe I could have done it in a place that was supportive and that taught me how to jump into business on my own. And so I think that for me, expanding into group practice, yes, it was personal, but it was also about people. It was also about community. It was also about building something that is bigger than me. When I was able to make that expansion and launch, something beautiful happened. Like clients started coming and the people that were applying to work at the group practice believed in the mission and they were aligned with the work that we wanted to be doing and the way that we wanted to show up in the world. And It was then that I realized that I could have a family, right? Like I could step away from the business at some point and things would be okay, that things would continue to run and that I would still be able to do 
what I wanted to do in my heart and soul while also providing a space for fellow healers and therapists. And so expanding into group practice was like very scary. It was confusing. It was risky. It was terrifying. It was exciting. It was beautiful. It was fast. It happened really fast. I took over an entire building, a house, an old house, $3,700 a month. And it was a huge risk because I had only had two contractors at that point. And so I was going to have to figure out a way to make this work. And it happened, you know, I was lucky to find another therapist who subletted one of the offices, a beautiful person and a dear friend and colleague of mine now. And I just started hiring. I think before I hired, I got really clear about who I was hiring and who I wanted to hire. If I wanted to be able to truly step away from my business, who were the people that I wanted to lead my team? Who were the people that I wanted to be the face of the practice? And that informed every decision I made around hiring. And so it was a time in my life where I was working, I was still working really hard. I still had a full caseload. You know, when I launched in 2018, I was still seeing clients, probably 18 to 20 clients a week on top of running the business. And I did that for about the first two years until I got pregnant and went on maternity leave. So I worked full time all the way up until I had my kid in 2019, December of 2019. And, you know, I think that it was hard. It was tough. But I what I learned from that was that I could trust people. I could let go of control, that there were people that believed in me and believed in Colors of Austin enough to take that risk and be on the team. And that I could build a culture, a workplace culture that prioritized people and made people feel seen, and made people feel excited about the work that they were doing. And it was overwhelming to see what happened. I had my baby in 2019, and right before I had her, I had promoted one of my clinicians to be the clinical director of the practice. It was a decision that I had to make in order for me to step away. I had to make sure that someone was going to hold the reins and take care of people while I was gone. I didn't know how it would turn out. I was scared as hell all the time. And at the same time, I also wasn't clear about how I would feel after I had my child. I I didn't know if I would come back full time. I didn't know if I would come back at all. I didn't know if, you know, I would struggle with postpartum depression or anxiety. I didn't know what childcare was going to look like. I, I was very unclear about what would happen after having my first child. And so what I knew for sure is that I had to hire people that were going to make sure that the practice kept moving, that people felt supported, and that clients coming to us seeking services felt cared for. And so in preparation for that transition, I had hired a client care coordinator to ensure that all of the referrals coming through the practice were being, you know, managed in a very timely fashion. I had also hired, you know, promoted that one clinician to clinical director. And then I hired a marketing manager who was going to take care of social media and the practice newsletter and make sure that our website was always up to date and was um, taking care of those needs. And so, I didn't have a ton of extra profit to be able to fund multiple leadership positions, but these were the three that I felt were really important. 
at the time and hands down was the best decision I could have made. I felt good about, you know, becoming a new mom and going on maternity leave and taking that time for me and my family and entrusted that things would be okay. And what I discovered in that process was that I I didn't have to do everything in my business. I didn't have to be the one that took all the phone calls, that posted on Instagram every day, that updated the website, that provided clinical support to clinicians, that led the team meetings, that filled up the snacks in the kitchen, that made sure that the AC was fixed because we had an old house. You know, I didn't have to be the person that was doing all of those things, that there were people who were willing to help, more than willing to help, and were fully capable. And as someone who struggles with wanting to be in control all the time, it was really hard to let go you know, that control and that need for things to be done according to me the right way, quote unquote, big quotes in that, right? And so I don't know, that transition for me was really hard and painful, but it was also really beautiful and freeing and really changed the way that I returned from maternity leave. I took probably a good four months off. Don't get me wrong, like there were many times where I felt anxious about coming back. Like I wanted to come back. And I think one of the things that I didn't know was how I would come back, right? What that would look like. And so I I gave myself permission to be flexible and to be slow and to take my time with that. I didn't push myself or make myself feel like I had to return after three months um, or whatever was traditionally provided by an employer. You know, some people don't even offer maternity leave, which is don't even get me started on that. But I became a mom and I became a mom two months before the pandemic hit, which was terrible. But, you know, I think when I returned from maternity leave, it was really clear to me that people were okay. Things were okay. I had to put my ego aside and realize that it wasn't about me, right? Like my group practice has, yes, obviously I founded it. And obviously it's something that I have poured my heart and soul into, but it's bigger than me, right? And I don't need to be the face of the practice. I don't want to be the face of the practice. I want clinicians to be the face of the practice. And how beautiful to build something that clinicians feel safe entering into and and flourishing. And so my ego had to take a seat (laughs) and a seat for a long time. You know, I definitely trimmed down my caseload to about 15 clients a week. I had childcare. I was starting to work more on the business than I was in the business, which was really nice because I had a leadership team to support and I was delegating a lot of tasks. And I think it was just a time in my life where boundaries shifted. You know, I had this new baby. I was needed in a different way. I think my entire life has been centered around work and success and push, push, push. And the moment that I had this baby, everything changed. Everything about what I thought was important was no longer important. The most important thing in my life at that time was taking care of this tiny human and being present for my partner, being a present parent, being a present partner in managing my own emotions and managing my own needs and this 
this identity crisis that I experienced. I think that I was afraid of, you know, falling into a depression or something like that. And I think what I experienced was an identity crisis. Who am I if I'm not the face of the practice? Who am I if I'm not a business owner in the way that I was, right? At work every day, all day, attending all these events, doing all these, you know, leading all these workshops and groups and just pushing content out on the world faster than I could create it. Like, who was I if I wasn't this machine? And if I wasn't what people expected of me? I think I realized that I have the most important job in the world, which is to be a mom. I get emotional talking about it because I have a lot of gratitude for this role of being a mom. And realizing that It was a really hard journey to get there to be able to get pregnant and have this baby. And I wasn't willing to compromise that, you know? And so I started setting boundaries. You know, I used to work till seven or eight and see clients really late. And I used to work with teens and I stopped. Like I just, I couldn't. I had, you know, I had a hard stop at 5 p.m. I made sure that I was home and I had a hard start at eight, hard stop at five. And when I was home, I was home. I wasn't on my computer. I wasn't on my phone. I wasn't checking email. I was present. And that was a huge shift for me as someone who, you know, is used to working till 8 p.m. every night, who's used to being on the computer until I go to sleep, who's always thinking about the next thing and, you know, thinking about the different ways that I could, you know, create new offerings or content and be of value to people. I only wanted to be of value to my people in my home. I think that ever since then, everything about my life and the way that I lead and the way that I show up for clients and show up for colleagues and my team and, you know, the things that I choose to engage in come from a place of my values, right? If I'm saying yes to this, what am I saying no to? If I'm saying yes to this speaking engagement at 6 p.m. on a Thursday, then I'm saying no to dinner time with my family. And that's not okay with me. Sometimes it's okay, but most of the time it's not. I will tell you something about me is that I am the kind of person that used to say yes to everything because me saying yes meant that I created visibility for myself, which meant that I would have a successful business, which meant that I was creating profit and generating revenue. The thing that I realized is that I didn't have to push so hard anymore because what I was wanting to build had already been built. I was trying to build a successful business and a supportive community and a place for clients to feel seen and heard and valued. And that had already been built. So what am I pushing for? What am I compromising my personal time with my child and my husband? What am I doing all that for? And so now I have to be really intentional about my time and how I spend my time. I say no to a lot. I think twice before I create. Language matters, right? The way that I speak about my work, the way that I speak about the work that I want to be doing, it's all based on how I want to show up for my family. I don't need to push as hard to feel valued and seen because I already am. And that's not something that I believed before. I believed that in order to feel seen and valued, in order to feel like I had a seat at the table, that I had to earn that. 
by producing, by pushing, by working harder. And I don't believe that anymore. And it's enough. What I do is enough. And all that matters to me is that my daughter feels proud and remembers not only having a mom who works, right? Because I do. I think it's important for her to see me work. I think it's important for her to know that things are not handed to you, right? That you have to work for what you what you have. And at the same time, your worthiness is not dependent on what you have because it is within you. And so that's my story. So that's where I'm at now. <laughs> I didn't expect to cry or get emotional, but it's I think it's it's just a testament to the process, right? The process that you're engaging in as and as you enter the world of entrepreneurship as a mental health professional, things will change, life will change, your your vision and your values and the things that you believe in and the things that you wish for yourself and for your people will change and evolve. And my life, what I thought I wanted it to look like is completely different than what it is in the best way. And so now I'm focusing on me and my passion projects and the fact that I have an amazing team of people who believe in Colors of Austin Counseling and believe in themselves and believe in their clients and the work that they do, and that I have built something that is enough, right? That everything else that I create is a bonus, but it's not to prove anything to anyone. So my wish for you is that you spend time getting really clear on what it is that you're trying to build and what it's going to mean for you personally and what you're okay with and what you're not okay with. Thank you so much for listening to the Brave and Well podcast. To find more information on the services that I offer and the resources mentioned in today's episode, feel free to visit my website, www.braveandwell.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it with your people and follow at Brave and Well on social media. And then finally, if you're interested in being a guest or would like to get a specific question answered, I'd love to hear from you. Please send me an email at hello at braveandwell.com and we can schedule a call to discuss further. I really appreciate you. I appreciate the space. I can't tell you what talking in this microphone has meant for me. And I've been wanting to do this for a really long time. So I just appreciate each and every one of you for listening and being here. And until next time, stay brave. Thank you so much for listening to the Brave and Well podcast. You can find links and resources from this episode in the show notes at www.braveandwell.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast listening platform. Then send it to a friend. For free resources, special announcements, and discount codes, subscribe to our newsletter at bravenwell.com forward slash newsletter dash sign up. Until next time, stay brave.